As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. A lot of that people don't like to share. If they're super wealthy, they're very protective of their privacy and things like that. And they don't want people to see that. So generally, they're not going to want to send that to you. Well, that's okay. The 506C allows you to do it under a third party. Best ever listeners, you ready to take your online advertising into the big leagues? Are you ready to get more leads? Well, how about we do all this for free yeah sure free well it starts out with a free strategy session with dan barrett you recognize his name episode 565 titled google adwords and cutting edge strategies he's the only certified google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors that's why i'm talking about him and he's managed over a million dollars of client spend and scored an 80th percentile for or higher for best practice basically he knows his stuff and he is offering a free strategy session for one hour to do a deep dive with you and learn about your market and collaboratively come up with an online advertising strategy based on your target audience. And he's offering to do this for the best ever listeners. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Now I mentioned free. Well, the strategy session is free and then you can either take the online advertising strategy that he comes up with on the call and go implement it yourself. There you go. It's free. Or you can have him and his agency do it for you. It's a turnkey solution. And by the way, that likely one that being free too, assuming that you're closing on the leads that he's generating for you as a result of all the efforts. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. He's got some amazing stuff. Ask him about the pre-targeting for direct mail lists that he does. It's something unique to their company, and it's pretty exciting stuff. He's noticing some tremendous results as a result of doing pre-targeting. So ask him about that. AdWordsNerds.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff. I hope you're having a wonderful, no, 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 not wonderful, best ever weekend. And because today is Saturday, we've got a special segment for you that we do sometimes called Situation Saturday. You're going to love this if you're a money-raising machine or want to be a money-raising machine because we are with an investor who has developed over $1 billion, yes, with a B, of property 
and he has over 12 years of experience in real estate. And we're going to talk about why he chose or is choosing to do a 506C offering versus a 506B offering on his current deal. How you doing, Mark Massier? <laughs> Good joke. Good to hear from you. Yeah, nice to have you on the show again. If you recognize Mark's name, well, that's because you're a loyal best ever listener. He's given his best ever advice once before, and he's been on the show a couple times. You can just search his name at bestevershow.com and hear his best ever advice. A little bit more about Mark. He is presently an adjunct professor at NYU Institute of Real Estate. What? How do you pronounce it? NYU's Schnack? Shack, unfortunately. Like, <laughs> it's the most unfortunate naming of a real estate school. No ever. kidding. The irony. NYU's Shack Institute of Real Estate. He's an adjunct professor there. He's also the founder and CEO of Massier Development. And he is based in New York City. New Yorker's company is. With that being said, Mark, before we dive into the 506C stuff, you want to briefly give the best ever listeners a refresher on your background and your focus now? Started my own company about 10 years ago, Massey Development, as you mentioned. And before that, had worked for large companies, small companies, doing development of all kinds throughout the New York City and DC area. Some, like you mentioned, as big as half a billion dollars. That's how it's pretty easy when you have one project that is that large to get to a billion dollars in development. But started my own company 10 years ago, and we've since always focused on retail and medical office. Uh, we focus on properties all over the country, and we're really a long-term value player. So we buy undervalued assets for the long haul, cash flows focused. So we're not sort of buying vacant buildings and fixing them up or doing development. It's all in a cash flow driven strategy. We work with some of the largest family offices in the country for the majority of our capital, but we also allow enjoy having individuals invested alongside those large capital sources. And our sort of egalitarian model is everyone invests at the same terms. There's no special treatment, even if if you have a billion dollars, like some of the families we work with do. So that's just kind of how we operate and have owned, I think we're up to 86 assets right now um, in eight states. What's your total portfolio value? It's like 515 or somewhere, a million dollars. It's hard for me to keep track because yeah. I yeah, don't really yeah, look yeah, at yeah. it every just, day. Just ballpark. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. You don't track that like the stock ticker. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, got it. And Masia, I apologize for mispronouncing it. Before we started interviewing, I triple checked how to pronounce it and I wrote it phonetically in my notes, but I didn't write it correctly phonetically in my notes. So I apologize. That. He's a friend of mine and I shouldn't be butchering his last name. All right, Mark. So the reason why we're here, thanks for the context. The reason why we're here is why you are choosing to do your current deal under a 506C, which is publicly – you can publicly advertise versus a 506B. And we've spoken to securities attorneys, a couple of them on the show, and they've walked through the pros and cons of 506B versus 506C, but they're not doing the deals. So this is going to be interesting because you're actually doing the deals. Walk us through your thought process. First and foremost, I'm not an attorney, so none of this is legal advice, but it's just our own experience of what I'm sharing. So and we did get attorney advice, but I'm not an attorney. <laughs> so Our current deal is a retail strip center in Spartanburg, South Carolina. So it's a pretty growing, booming market, largest growth center of basically the South. They've got over a billion dollars of investment in the last couple of years. So it's a interesting market that we tracked for a really long time. We found this property there that has some vacancy. It has really low rents. It has some great tenants and long leases. So pretty straightforward retail deal to what we do. Cash flowing day one around 7%. 
levered and goes up to nine over time. Nothing blow the doors off, but just sort of a very steady, down the middle, strong deal that has great in place cash flow. We have good reserves, long-term debt, all the kind of stability things you want. And that's exactly follows our model. What I just told you, I couldn't have told you any of that if I was doing 506B as in boy, the old way of raising capital. So like case in point, the first and foremost reason that we like it is because we can talk about what we're doing actively and not have to keep everything a secret or know you personally before we talk about it. It just makes kind of logical sense, in my opinion, from a business perspective, to be able to talk about the things you're excited about and the things you're excited about are usually the newest deal or the newest thing you're doing in your business. And before September 2013, you couldn't do that legally. And it's kind of crazy to me, but that's kind of the way that we used to do it and kind of the way that it was the only choice before that date. And so first and foremost, the ability to communicate openly about what you're doing is exciting. And it is the only way to do that is under a 506C deal. So that's kind of the deal in a nutshell. What we specifically do every time, I mentioned our capital sources are predominantly family office in the beginning, but now have made a huge focus on not just diversifying the investments we make across different locations and different properties, but also our investor capital base. What we saw in the beginning was we had these few families that had deep pockets, but if any of them decided not to do any deal we found for any particular reason, and some were as funny as like, oh, I'm going skiing for a month, so I'm not going to do any deals regardless of how good they are. That literally happened um, <laughs> <laughs> to any other reason. They just don't like Spartanburg. Let's say they grew up there and they hate it and they're never going back, so they don't want to invest there. That didn't happen, but that things like that happened in the past. And so I just don't want to have any sort of single source of capital, just like I don't want to have any single tenant or any single property that can sort of wipe out our whole business. So with that being said, every deal we do, we have the ability to raise all of the funds from these large, deep-pocketed family offices, but we specifically choose not to. One, so that we can keep relationships with our friends and family and other investors of ours that have been with us for a long time, but two, to meet new investors. And I think it's really important when you think about this, it's very easy to go and say, oh, you know, Sally invests half a million dollars with us every time. She'll write another half a million dollar check every time. And so it's easier just to go to her and get that half a million dollars. What I would suggest personally, it's worked for us and I'd suggest from your own perspective is consider what happens if Sally one day stops writing that $500,000 check. It's going to be a lot harder to find a bunch of $10,000 people if you don't know any of them versus if you've already had many 10 or 25 or other $100,000 investors that you can replace Sally with. So with that all being said, every deal we do, we do a portion of it crowdfunded which really is nothing more than just advertising online through one of these third-party platforms for new investors. So it's a straight general solicitation out there advertising on the website and they advertise on other platforms, but they're aggregating individuals who are interested in investing in real estate and putting our deal in front of those eyeballs. So every deal we do, we reserve at least a few hundred thousand dollars for that specific purpose. And in this deal, we're doing that as well. We're on CrowdStreet, but we've been on just about every platform out there in the past. So we don't have any sort of one that we love or don't love more than the others. They're all good for their different reasons. In this case, we went with CrowdStreet. So our deal is up there and we've gotten some investors directly from them. And these are people that I would otherwise have never met in my life that are interested in investing with us. And some of them have already invested with us. So it's a great opportunity to grow your network of individuals that either might be interested or are definitely interested in investing. Again, something you couldn't have done prior to 506C or that I couldn't do now even if I chose a 506B type of raising capital. 
You couldn't do a 506B with CrowdStreet. If it was 506B, even if CrowdStreet, like you have the relationship with CrowdStreet and CrowdStreet has a relationship with their investors. Yeah, there are some platforms that do 506B and crowdfund it, and they sort of backdoor a few of these quote-unquote relationship angles. So what you're alluding to, which I agree with, is that you have to have a pre-existing relationship before you can market something to someone. So you and I know each other, Joe. I can tell you anything privately I want about any of our deals, regardless of how we're raising money, because we have a pre-existing relationship. But to any of your best ever listeners, I'm sure many of them I've never met, I can't tell them anything about the deal until we have a relationship. But it's kind of catch 22 because how do you establish a relationship with someone until you can tell them about what you're doing they're not just going to invest blindly and send you money before you can tell them about the opportunity so there are some loopholes to this and i'm not a, a super expert in what those loopholes are we've tried to stay pretty clear of those and just say if we're generally soliciting which online advertising in my opinion clearly is generally soliciting then you want to use 506c to stay out of the gray area but again maybe other ways around that yeah, if you're yeah, a talk to an yeah. attorney it's just not my expertise yes So crowdfunding, the primary source of kind of advertising, quote unquote, for this deal in terms of new investors, we are also in this particular investment trying out for the very first time Facebook advertisement because we've heard in the past a lot of great reviews from friends about how they've acquired investors that way because you can be super targeted. We know very clearly that 90% of our investors are 40 years and older, kind of live all over the country, but mainly in population centers of 100,000 people or more things like that. And so it's pretty easy to target those types of people on Facebook because they've already given all that information out there. Is it primarily males too? Yeah, unfortunately it is. One of our largest investors is a woman and I'm really excited about that because I'd really love to see kind of a more diverse investor base that's not all male. But yeah, it's probably 95% male in terms of number just because one of our investors happens to invest a lot of money. It skews a little bit when you consider percentages of dollars. But Any other things you target for? So far, like I said, this is the first one we've done. I'm not a super, super expert, but those are the main things that we were looking for was, well, I guess education I didn't mention as well. So generally are all college educated. And to the extent you can target more professionals, doctors, lawyers, executives, or small business owners, those tend to be good users. But that covers a large population. It's not exactly like a narrow niche of people. That's a lot Mm -hmm. of people. So Mm -hmm. Okay. So Facebook advertising, we just started that and we've seen a ton of traffic. We haven't actually converted anyone yet on that, just to be perfectly open and transparent. So I don't know if that's something we'll do again or not. Stay tuned on that side, but it's certainly something we're doing now and something we couldn't have done under a 506B deal. We're also trying old school newspaper advertising because our investor base tends to be a little bit older. In some cases, we have investors 70, 80, 90 years old. Newspaper still happens to be a very relevant source for those people. And because we're local, we're not local in terms of our operations are in New York, as you mentioned at the outset, but our property is located in South Carolina. So what we've chosen to do is try to get investors that live in that general area. So we will make an extra target either on Facebook and also in this newspaper advertising that focuses on North Carolina, Greenville, South Carolina, like markets that are very, very close to these areas. So Charlotte's an hour away. Greenville's about 45 minutes away. Mm -hmm. Charleston, those types of things, because people tend to like investing locally, even though long-term, I think that's a bad strategy. It's a great gateway to, if they can drive by the property and see it. So newspaper advertising is something else we're doing and something else we couldn't do under 506B. And you did, I believe, my memory serves incorrectly, you did newspaper advertising in Omaha for a deal, didn't you? That's right. And we actually did get investors directly from that. So that's why we're doing this again. Okay. Do you happen to know any type of return or how do you look at that? Like $1 spent in a newspaper ad 
and you get an investor, how do you measure the return on your investment there? It's a great question. I don't have a mathematical model that works yet because honestly, some of these people, they start out and they invest five or 10 or 15, $25,000, some smaller check size because they're testing the waters with us and seeing how we operate. And so that may be all they ever invest because they don't like us. Or generally what happens is they try us out for that amount. And then the next time they write a hundred thousand dollar check or half a million dollar check. So it's kind of difficult because the lifetime value of that customer to us could be extremely high if they invest a lot of dollars or refer a bunch of friends or things like that. But if they only invest one time at $5,000 where they don't invest at all, it's very difficult to see a clear, you know, it's not like purchasing a product. They bought my Mm -hmm. book or something. Then I'd be like, okay, that's a clear conversion of one to one. But in this case, First of all, it's a high dollar value that they're dealing with. If they write a check for a hundred grand, that's obviously worth a lot to us versus somebody who would buy a $20 item on eBay or something. So I think typically we're trying to stay in that two to 3% of capital raised to cost convert. And so that's about what happened. We spent about $3,000 in newspaper advertising and converted somewhere in the $150,000 range from that. So I think Mm -hmm. that that math works out roughly, but it's not an exact science. That's what we hope for, but sometimes it'll be 20% cost convert, but over the long haul, that'll decrease itself drastically. Okay. We also did a webinar, which is something else. So I'm sure you've seen like the the be everywhere strategy or that kind Mm -hmm. of like blanket market, carpet bomb marketing, whatever you want to call it. We're definitely trying to follow that strategy. So I mentioned Facebook, I mentioned newspaper. We did a webinar. We're on CrowdStreet. Those are all things that get our name out there. The webinar was helpful because you get one-on-one questions. You get a bunch of people and interest built around that specific concept of hosting a webinar and you can record it and then send it to others. So it gives you sort of a platform and another contact point to reach out to people. Then we did a video. We always do a professionally recorded video, including drone footage and all types of different angles of the property and the surrounding area. That's probably our most expensive sort of questionable if you should do this. How much? Because, well, there's multiple different pieces because you have voiceover, you have the actual video editor, you have the video recording, all those different things. I think if you put them all together, it's probably ten to $15,000. Oh, Mark, I got to get you my video guy. 3000 all in. <laughs> with a drone we got a drone text overlays everything all right awesome yeah definitely have to check that out i appreciate it see that's why we do this right we all share and learn i'm learning too but yeah so that's something it's also just a piece for existing investors family offices to feel like they've been to the property instead of having to fly down there themselves so that's what we used to do is not on our dime but we used to fly down and meet them and do a physical tour now we do more video which is better for everyone mm-hmm. i mentioned to existing investors. I mean, that referral is probably in everyone's experience has been why you start with your friends and family because they know you in terms of raising capital. And if you perform for them, they will refer you to their friends and family and so on and so on. And that's typically been the best source for us overall. Do you have a way that you encourage that? Any intentional way? I tend to let them know that it's actually benefiting them because people are wonderful. I think inherently people want to do what's right and be good and help others. But people are also sort of like 
short-term selfishly motivated. And so what I try to do is focus on the benefits to them and why they should take action because ultimately that's what motivates most people in the short term. And so by showing them that it actually lowers the cost of capital, if they can refer somebody, I don't have to pay the two or three or 4% to use crowdfunding or to do this advertising avenue that I've been speaking about. So it'll decrease that. And then it's also a social proof thing. So from the standpoint of what I'll try to do is people that do know each other or people that don't know each other, like some of the family offices that didn't know each other, I introduced them to each other. And now they know each other. And so when I say XYZ family office is investing, don't you guys want to as well? They go, oh yeah, of course, if they're invested, we'll do it too. So there's a little bit of a trying to get people in the same room or same social network of some sort, even if it's just because I introduced them Mm -hmm. so that there's that social proof aspect where people feel obligated or inclined to invest because of someone else. Any other pros before we get into the cons? The ability to develop like kind of this long-term relationship quickly. And what I mean by that is in 506B, you had to know somebody for long enough to prove that you had a relationship with them. Now it's like, I don't have to prove any relationship. As long as they're an accredited investor, they can invest. And as long as they're a human on earth, I can talk to them about what I'm doing. And that's just amazing. The costs are the same. You're not spending any more money to file these documents to do anything else. So from that standpoint, there's really no reason not to do it that way, in my opinion. And it's still got the same unlimited amount of money you can raise. So it's not like you have a certain maximum doing it this way. And so sometimes you should go the other way that you can raise unlimited funds. I think those are all important points. What are the downsides of 506C versus B? Definitely the overwhelming upsides, in my opinion. That's why we're doing it here. We're only raising like $2.8 million for this current deal. It's a very small deal. But some people who raise much larger dollars and deal with very sophisticated investors, especially those that they've dealt with in the past, this can be a little bit of an annoyance because what has to happen under 506C is they have to actually be accredited by a third party. So either they need to send you personally documentation of their accreditation status. And just as a reminder, I'm sure you've hit it a million times, but to be accredited as an individual, you need to make $200,000 a year or with a married couple need to make $300,000 a year or have a net worth of a million dollars, excluding your personal residence. So you have to have proof of either W-2 income statements, tax returns, or proof of your net worth. A lot of that people don't like to share. If they're super wealthy, they're very protective of their privacy and things like that, and they don't want people to see that. So generally, they're not going to want to send that to you. Well, that's okay. The 506C allows you to do it under a third party. So that means either they need to send a letter and all their documentation to any attorney that's board certified can do that. A currently licensed CPA can do that or a stockbroker. So there's three other avenues where a third party, not you, the sponsor, or them, the investor, but a third party can verify them. But again, this process, filling out that paperwork, proving that they're wealthy, can be one, frustrating, can slow down the process, two, and can three, sometimes offend people, honestly. Like we've had people that have invested with us in the past that were like, well, I never had to do this before, or I've never had to do this with any other real estate deal I've invested in. Why are you so difficult? Like what's wrong with you? So there's definitely a bit of more of an education problem in terms of not that they're not smart or educated in life, but they're not necessarily educated to the ways of these rules. Cause mm-hmm. these are not my rules. These are the SEC's rules. And that's what I always tell them. It's not, that I'm trying to be hard line about this. It's the SEC has these restrictions and I'm just trying to follow the law. So that's a definite downside. Now, how real that is, is really going to depend on your investor base and how your relationship with them. Most people, when you walk them through why and, and how easy it is once they've done it once, they tend not to care. But Again, you have to do this every 90 days. So that's the other annoyance is for every... You have to do what 90 days? 
get them accredited, not for an investment that they're in, but let's say I'm raising money for this Camelot Center deal in Spartanburg, South Carolina today. We have another deal under contract. If I don't get that next deal ready and in front of that same investor within 90 days, they have to do it twice. So even though if it's the 91st day and I want to get them to invest in that second deal after they invest in our deal that we have now, they can't unless they resubmit all the paperwork. And that's just kind of like stupid. It's like you just invested in the last deal. You just proved to me you were credited in the last deal 90 days ago. Now all of a sudden the SEC magically thinks that it could have all completely changed and now you're worth nothing or make no income. Like it's a little onerous in that respect as well. So mm-hmm. to be clear, not once they're invested. If they're invested with you, as long as you got the accreditation paperwork up front, you never have to do that again in that specific deal. But for all future deals, every 90 days, you need to get a new update on whether they're accredited or not. So that's frustrating. One strategy is to do 506C, but only bring in new people. And then the next deal, do 506B with your current people and funnel the new people in there. And then do another 506C, bring in all new people. That way there's no change up in the process for your existing investors. Yeah, that would definitely work. The problem lies, though, if any of your existing investors want to get in your new deal. Like The biggest problem we have is finding enough good deals for our investors. If I could find 20 deals, they would be happy. Unfortunately, find a handful of deals every year that are good enough. So if I say, hey, by the way, you can't invest in this one because it's only new investors, I think that would be more of a turnoff than anything else. But if you can tailor it that way, it definitely would work. I agree with you. Yeah, I guess you could always say, yeah, you can invest in this one, but here's the wrinkle in the process. It's a good point. I hadn't thought of that, so I appreciate it. But again, for us, certainly that wouldn't work, but for other people, it definitely might. I think the other thing is from a 506B standpoint, you're also a little bit more protected in terms of it's been around forever, right? It's been around since the 1930s or 40s or whatever it was when it was originally enacted. And so there's been tons of case law, lawsuits, all types of things that put you very clearly in the right or in the wrong with very limited gray area. Whereas 506C, the new regulations have only been around since September 2013, in which case there's been almost no clarifying points beyond. There hasn't been tons of lawsuits and things like that. It just hasn't been around that long. So there could be some additional risk there. How to quantify that risk? Who knows, right? And so clearly, I don't think there's that much risk because I've talked to a bunch of attorneys and this is what we're doing, but time will tell what that actually looks like. And then I think the other thing that gives you protection is under 506B, it's self-accreditation, which means that as someone comes to you and says, I'm wealthy, I'm accredited, and you as the sponsor have the right to rely on that, and they will essentially have committed fraud if they tell you otherwise, in which case that nullifies their ability to sue you. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of ways, you're sort of saying, I'm out of this process. They told me they're rich. If they're not rich and they try to sue me and say, hey, you shouldn't have let me invest in this deal. You should give me all my money back. You say, hey, you told me you're rich, so clearly you lied. That means you can't sue me. So there is some additional protection in that respect as well that you're losing here because you're now using some sort of verification process and they could say, well, I just called somebody and they signed off on it. It wasn't true, so you shouldn't have let me invest. Sounds like there are the three main downsides that you can think of, and that is it can be annoying for the investors because they have to be accredited by a third party. There's some gray area because it's rather new, and then the self-accreditation process likely protects you more because they're saying they're accredited by completing the paperwork, so they would have committed fraud if they actually aren't accredited. Anything else that we haven't talked about as it relates to why you choose to do a 506C versus B as in boy? 
No, I think there's like we mentioned before that they're both the same in terms of the amount of money you can raise in terms of the process, in terms of what you're allowed to raise for, whether it's real estate development or real estate investment of long-term nature, anything can be done. Unlimited amounts of money, the same blue sky paperwork in terms of what you have to file with all the states. So in that sense, it's like you have to learn this and do this the same way either way. So might as well do the one that in my mind gives you more flexibility in what you can say. Mark Massia, where can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? Email is always best. It's mark at massiadev.com. And I'm sure you'll have that in the show notes as well. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'll put your website in the show notes. That way, the little internet trolley things that some people have don't grab your email address. You'll thank me for that. This has been wonderful. I love talking about this stuff. And this was such a educational experience coming from someone who's currently in the middle of it. And you've got half a billion dollars worth of assets under management that your company has part ownership in. So talking about the pros, as you so succinctly recapped, it diversifies your investor capital base. That way you're not relying on one source of capital because you're able to publicly advertise and you're able to meet new investors just to make sure that you have additional investors coming in and you're not relying on one, which kind of ties in the first thing. You can convert people quicker versus having the pre-existing relationship because you are doing the 506C and then the raise is unlimited just like 506B and the cost is the same, just like 506B. And then I love how you got into the equity raising tactics, the crowdfunding website, Facebook advertising, who your target audience is, newspaper ads, webinars, the video, and then ultimately the word of mouth referrals and how you use social proof and uh, mention how it lowers the cost of capital because you'll lower your advertising budget if they refer their friends or whomever. And then the three downsides, the primary one, I believe the risk and the legal liability for the gray area, but the here and now is it can be annoying because there has to be verification by a third party. And then the other two, there's more gray area with 506C and with 506B, there's a self-accreditation process. So thanks so much for being on the show, Mark. Hope you have a best ever weekend. Enjoyed it as always. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, Joe. Got your free strategy session to generate online leads yet? Well, if not, go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Dan Barrett's going to give you a concrete online advertising strategy by the end of the conversation. You can choose to implement it yourself or you can work with this team and they'll implement it for you. Adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Are you ready to grow and protect your wealth in any market? Join Cashflow Tactics to learn the exact strategies real estate investors can use to maximize returns using whole life insurance as a new banking resource. Visit CashflowTactics.com. That's C-A-S-H-F-L-O-W-T-A-C-T-I-S dot com.